Hello and welcome to What Will We Watch? My name is Will and uh, this might be the most popular movie we've done on this podcast oh, wow. so far. Wow. Usually, uh, that terrifies me. <laughs> so much pressure. <laughs> Usually when we do these uh, these episodes, usually recovering some lost movie a movie that's like a mm-hmm. relic of a time and the majority of them don't stand out mm-hmm. without any further ado we're covering et the extraterrestrial play the trailer in 1975 he directed jaws in 1978 he directed close encounters of the third kind in 1981 he directed raiders of the lost ark and now, Steven Spielberg brings us E.T., the extraterrestrial. We will witness the arrival, the search, the friendship. I'm keeping him. The love. The connection has been made. Universal Pictures presents Steven Spielberg's E.T. The Extraterrestrial. All right, everyone, welcome back. Uh, we have a just a monster <laughs> of film discussion in the studio. My good friend, filmmaker producer you can see his stuff drone what they had ride just some awesome movies and one of my favorite people to talk about movies with maddie schmidt thanks so much will stoked to be here thanks for having me when i was first making this podcast i was like i made a list a murderer's row of people that i want to talk to yeah a top five if you you may and uh you're on there man and i'm just so thankful that uh that you're willing to come and talk Top five within a top five. A dream within a dream. <laughs> I, I am stoked to be here, man. I, I love film podcasts. I love hearing people like us mm-hmm. talk about things and analyze things and break them down. And um, when you first started, What Will We Watch? I, I was stoked to just be a fan and listen to it. And uh, I'm stoked to have some time and sit down and, and dig into some childhood memories. And it was cool to watch E.T. yesterday. Like I probably hadn't seen it in like 25 years. And um I'm also a little bit older than you, so yeah. I'm 37. I was born in 1983. ET had already been out for a year when I was born, so I, I you know, I had an older brother. Uh, spent a lot of time at our neighbor's house across the street when my mom was working a bunch, and they had three daughters that were older, so they kind of put me onto it. But as mm. when you said, you know, childhood films, like this is one that I can't even remember where I watched it, when I watched it, but I just remember it being one of those first memories of just crying from a movie. Really, like a fucking broke me down and then built me back up and it just had that that cathartic climax and that feeling and um you know like so many other films after that i fell in love with did but this was kind of the first and i know it's probably a lot of people's first it's a big commercial movie and, mm-hmm. and i would have loved to get into some crazy obscure ones with you too but this is just one that came to mind of like that first big emotional feeling from uh, a feature film it's an important movie to talk to if we're talking or talk about if we're talking about kids movies you, yeah, you, we would be doing a disservice by ignoring this. Yeah, and like, it feels weird revisiting because a lot of it is like super big and and popcorn and and blockbustery and and that. But at the time, like I tried to really go back to like you know um, 1982 and think like 
at the time, this is probably pretty left of center. You know, mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of aliens invading and threatening and this, and and it it felt unique and different. But then I think Steven Spielberg did a lot with like grounding it in reality too. Yeah. Of like, there was a lot of like self aware themes or references to Star Wars and other things of that era, and it just felt really real. Like even this family and the mom and all of that is just like this. This feels real. Yeah, uh, I think that's Spielberg's power. Mm-hmm. He's taking these like big lofty genre ideas mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then being like okay but we're gonna do humans and we're gonna make it incredibly relatable by uh through character yeah talking about like first viewings of this movie uh my core memory of this movie mm-hmm. i was about four years old i think maybe three too mm-hmm. young uh i i honestly think i was too young to watch this movie uh i remember crying at it yeah. being scared i remember uh for a long time i correlated Spielberg with uh, Mean Worlds, which is so oh, funny wow. because he is not that at all. He he makes friendly, like heartwarming stories. Mm-hmm. But for a long time, I was like scary teenagers mm-hmm. and mean adults. Yeah, fuck. The big brother, Mike and his buddies, they were the worst at the start. And I created a memory, yeah. which I doesn't happen in, in the movie. And I was 100% sold on, which was... Uh, Elliot and E.T. in the in the bike. Yeah. And they're running away from bullies. Oh. And it's the older brother and the teenagers who are trying in to that, get in that E.T. that final flying scene, yeah. And, um, and, <laughs> and I, I was so sad. And that's a memory that really stuck with me. Yeah. And then... Um, and then I remember being super sad and my mom being like, just just watch, just yeah. watch. And then rewatching it. It's better, it Will. Give for, it a chance. For the first time. Like since then, yeah. I hadn't rewatched it until you brought so, it. So this is last night or yesterday you watched it? Yeah. And uh, and how did it stand up? Look, I think I uh, I think I made a mistake by not, <laughs> by not rewatching it. It's a fantastic movie. Dude, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, how did you first watch E.T.? Yeah. So like I, again, going back, like I was young mm-hmm. and- um, so it had already been out for a couple of years by the time it probably found its way to me. But I just remember, I still to this day love, um, I love mystery. Mm-hmm. You know, I love sci-fi. I love sci-fi fantasy. I love things that are like just little breadcrumbs of stories that lead you down this trail and yeah. they don't spell it out to you. They don't spoon feed the audience. And you're just thinking, you know, fuck, who are these people? Where do they come from? Why are they here in the California Redwoods? these botanists looking at our plants one gets left behind like you know and i and i think about imagine watching it for the first time you're like okay spielberg does duel 1971 jaws 1975 close encounters is a banger but like let's let's stay on track here yeah but you're watching like et and it's like you don't know if this guy's gonna just mess elliot up or whatever when they first meet in the in the in the bushes and the shrubs with the flashlight you're kind of terrified. So there's a few nice little innocent scares there. Um, but just thinking of, of what are these powers, what's happening to him here, and just the, the themes of the two feeling what each other feels mm-hmm. is, is pretty beautiful and amazing. And then, again, I feel like the whole film, especially after revisiting it last night, like the actual structure and plots are really simple. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of characters. Like even our antagonists, we don't really see. We don't see Keys's face till the third act. And I'd say there isn't an antagonist. Right? There's like a sense of an antagonist. And then at the end, that's really kind of diminished. Yeah. Or I would I would say the antagonists are adults mm-hmm. and government and the the you know 
themes. Exactly. Like broader these ideas, themes. these yeah. ideas. But there's not that many characters. So in, in the sense, like after watching it yesterday, I'm like, wow, it's so simple. And uh, it's so visual. And the themes are amazing. There's a lot of mythology baked into it and cool references that he's pulling from. And it really just builds to that moment, that climax. Mm-hmm. And that crescendo of them flying super peter panny and 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 just him saying goodbye and that as a kid i just remember being like well first of all when et is dying and he's ashy and messed up oh my god it's like waking up from a hangover and you're so dehydrated in the summer and you need water and it's like he's dying i was like done i was floored mm-hmm. and i just remember i remember about crying it's the first time i remember crying in a movie and he looks horrific oh dude they zip him up, and he's like a little frozen gyoza in that packaging. <laughs> and Elliot is like, <laughs> but then to to you know break you down and build you up, and and that the the score, the John Williams score to this. I mean, it's not my favorite John Williams score, but it's amazing. It is a character. They the are movie. so closely tied, Fuck, dude. It's just so emotional. So I just remember bawling my face off, and I didn't know a movie could do that. Like I was obsessed with cartoons. Mm-hmm. I read comic books. I was into all, I love stories. I love these worlds, but the feeling of just like, Oh, just cry. And still to this day, I love a good cry. Like I love a good movie that can do that to me. Even if it's a tragedy, I love, you know, I'm a sucker for the tragedy with a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Um, with that little denouement moment of, of kind of, you know, we're going to figure this out. We're and not you, the same yeah. as we were at the start, but we're going to move on and we're going to figure it out. Do you think that's affected how you tell stories now? That kind of, uh, that like, uh, that bittersweet? Oh, probably, probably like, you know, subconsciously there's things that I like. Mm -hmm. And, and I think all of our taste is built on our experiences and our childhoods. And, and then our work is a product of our Mm tastes and what we think is interesting. And I, and I think everything is just evolving on that. And, and sure, like there's, you know, watching it yesterday, it's, you know, could I watch this once a year and just be enthralled with it? Probably not. It's not as rewatchable, mm-hmm. but just the the power of it at the time, the magic, the themes, the the, the storyline. I think it's it's one of the greats. It's awesome, and it's. I think I talked a little bit about this on my Iron Giant episode, mm-hmm. and uh, great movie, love Iron Giant. Great movie, so very similar to this mm-hmm. movie, and mm-hmm. I think the these two movies, there's there's there, there's there's a few of them that are this emotionally intelligent yeah are incredibly important to show kids 100% um they help you understand not a lot of movies kids movies are designed to help you understand your feelings so so true and to learn and gain emotional intelligence um i'd say inside out is a recent one that is really good for that it's so funny you say that i was on my notes in the the prep stuff of like stuff you would if you were a kid now that you would be interested or stuff i would want to share yeah with with my kids and um and uh but yeah these movies are very pivotal they probably are the first movies that you watch that make you cry and have an experience of someone else and and there's like these nice moral kind of lessons to them and and you know fairy tales should have that that there's that kind of that moral at the end of it that that aesop fable kind of thing and Mm -hmm. and even as you said that like what you just described is beautiful but it's like that should be the same for adults that should be any art form Mm -hmm. should showcase the human experience give us some kind of empathy or a, or a pov into another world or another thing and we come out of it a different person we learn or feel even if we like it or don't like it or not whatever it's like that's art i mean that's um 
I heard a really interesting thing recently, which I never really. It's like you know, I love movies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we go hard. We go uh, hard. And I never really thought of it. And then I heard about it recently, and I was like, that makes way more sense. Um, movies are like, this is apparently, I'm, I'm going to bastardize this, but movies are a way for us to learn about life by experiencing someone else's experience. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't have to go through it, but we get to glimpse the hardship that they went through in order to learn from it. Totally. And I think you could say the same for, um, you know, Greek mythology yeah. and, and um, you know, Shakespearean plays and then literature. And it's all just good storytelling. Storytelling's in our DNA. Yeah. But and, if it's, you... and it's how we passed on information a- across generations Yeah, of like, just be a good person. <laughs> don't be a <laughs> shitty human. Yeah. And like, that's the big story with Elliot. So many kids, you don't see this lesson a lot in kids' movies, which is oh, like, yeah. hey, like, most kids are inconsiderate kids. Yeah. Like, that's just a yeah. thing. It's no one's fault. It's just you haven't learned that part of the world yet. Mm-hmm. You think the world revolves around you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, like, is Some adults still behave like Dude. that. <laughs> I'm amazed. I, I, Especially I, in I, our I, industry. I'm like, how is that a thing? Like, how do you get to this age and not be aware of that? That's something that's kind of missing from a lot of kids' stories is yeah. being like, hey, let's work on this part of you. And let's yeah. show you... Like let's let's do that uh, that like learning thing. Elliot learns how to be em- em- empathetic mm-hmm. and learns not to like uh, be so brash with people. And um, and, and I think I think, I think that's Elliot yeah. accepts ET first and then teaches everyone else to accept him. Yeah, ET definitely accepts Elliot and links with him mm-hmm. and they're paired. Um, but will the rest of the world accept him? TBD. You know we don't know. And then it's like <laughs> so. So I think a, a lot of <laughs> Uh, you know, and I love I love a good movie that just asks a question. Yeah, and and it kind of leaves it open ended and it doesn't just tell it to us. But I think I think some themes for me rewatching this is acceptance, and Alien's definitely um, alienated uh, at the start, and and he's not fitting in, and like you know they're all playing the what is it like Dungeon Dragon or whatever, baby, yeah, and and he's like trying to get down, and and they're not having it, and I'm like fuck, I was that kid, like my my older brother and his friends, like there's the scene where Mike comes in with like the football pads, like. That was my brother. Like my older bro was like the dude. He played. We grew up in kits, and he actually played on the West Side Warriors. He played on the same football team as Ryan Reynolds, which is kind of crazy. No way. Yeah. And That's I, what I, I was to talk more to like nerdy art kid. I was into martial arts and, and drawing. I used to draw a lot. And uh, you know, there was just this middle child, younger child, not fitting in thing. Mm-hmm. The themes of family and that are just so rad. But then it's also super simple, like revisiting it i thought it was amazing how visual it was yeah and and you know that's a huge spielberg thing i mean you look at his inspirations of like john ford david lean norman rockwell um some hitchcock stuff not like genre and tone but just the visual storytelling of just like i'm gonna show this visually loves to move the camera his blocking's amazing um he talks a lot about how especially in this movie he he has an appetite for like glorious cinema and like big yeah. frames packed with stuff. And it, the challenge David Lean, John Ford. Yeah, yeah. The challenge in a kid's movie of making the kid not be outshadowed by that. And Ooh. you see it in a lot of frames. Like when Elliot is right outside of the shed. Yeah. You see like a massive moon. There's a cornfield for some weird reason. There's yeah. like a house. There's a shed. There's smoke. Everything. And then Elliot is just this like tiny little figure yeah. in it. 
Yeah, and even the low angles, right? Like mm-hmm. the ca- you put the camera so low, all the adults like we see kind of the Tex Avery cartoon style below the waist, yeah. and and um, but just I you know revisiting it, it's amazing how visual it is, um, and and how he really makes it like you think of those the OGs of of like the John Fords and David Leans, like they would do things that just felt epic and big mm-hmm. and cinematic you know just even the score and the moves and the things but to do that of like let's ground it all in reality of this little kid and this alien buddy yeah and and so it felt big but it felt small and intimate at the same time which was cool and i love how there wasn't tons of like exposition explaining like interesting he feels what elliot feels and elliot feels what he feels like oh the like doctors like like you have to put that together yourself yeah and that's pretty cool um and it works like it, it's a kid's movie and it connects to kids and you kind of get it. Um, and the rules and the stakes are just kind of baked in in a subtle way, which is hard to do. A lot of sci-fi gets burned for too much um, exposition and, yeah. and kind of spoon feeding the audience. But it's hard not to because you have to establish these rules. Um, and this thing like establishes it all visually. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, Want to hop a little into the hist, hist, history? Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's do it. So, uh, I do want to, later on, uh, when we get to Elliot, I want to explore your connection to Elliot. Because I am curious. I love it. I do see a little bit of Elliot. Okay. Uh, All right. So, uh, the seed for E.T. was originated in a little little Stevie Spielberg. Um, Before he was a big filmmaker, he had an imaginary friend when his parents were going through a divorce, which uh, I'm sure we're both familiar with. 100%. And... um, yeah, I just, was seven when my parents were a little bit younger, five or six. I was How old were you? I was five. Okay. But I had three siblings, which I think helps. Um, Spielberg also had three. And old, you're the older, youngest yeah. of your squad. Yeah. He had three older sisters. But I think, um, yeah, like Interesting. This, there, is some, uh, there is some loneliness there. And so, yeah, he created this like little uh, imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we cut hard to he's a big filmmaker making uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's away from, heard about from his that family. One. I heard about that movie. <laughs> oh, have you? It's like, I don't know. It's a small independent. I heard, I heard it did okay. I think the craziest thing, though, when you think of like that era of like, there's like this crew of buddies, dude, of like George Lucas, him, and like they were doing shit that was kind of different and, and weird, but studios were backing them with yeah. big budgets. And it was like, so unique and different and disruptive and it's like that 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 only gets to come around so often and you had weird uh they all had weird approaches mm-hmm. there's like De Palma super transgressive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's Scorsese like super uh reli- like mixing religion oh, yeah. with like the harshness of 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 reality and uh, morally stuff. complex characters and then you have Spielberg and uh, George Lucas, who are like all escapism mm-hmm. and dealing mm-hmm. with uh, with reality, and, and Lucas ex- more of this samurai gunslinger epic mm-hmm. saga, big saga worlds, and and Spielberg obsessed with this um, childhood perspective and these yeah. little kids and and uh, that escapism from that point of view. And I think this movie is like it's kind of celebrating their relationship because so much of it is like 
Star Wars, like like oh, yeah, talking yeah, totally. about like Star Wars and, the, and referencing it, and uh, totally. it's almost like their friendship on screen. So a the materials, bit. though, what was it based on? So it was, okay. it, it was written by Melissa Matheson. Yeah, uh, she was like an assistant on Apocalypse Now and Godfather Two, mm-hmm. big ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably met George Lucas and Spielberg through them. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, I believe she was married to Harrison Ford. At, at the time and then she'd written two movies Black who had Stallion. a scene in this that got cut he was the principal of like a school scene or something can you imagine cutting a Harrison Ford scene that means like that's how confident they are they're like this scene isn't moving anything forward but it makes Let's sense though because like like I was saying like it felt it had a beautiful simplicity to it, it felt like very efficient and economic mm-hmm. the, the actual structure of it and it didn't stray too far in these other areas and we'll get into it when we go like you know act by act beat by beat or whatever yeah. but but the idea for like ET, if yeah. we're gonna get back to the materials, uh, Spielberg made uh, Close Encounters, mm-hmm. and then he'd been working with John Sayles, just a fucking motherfucker <laughs> of a screenwriter. I love John Sayles. So he also sick. wrote uh, Wild Thing, which we did yeah. uh, on the, on this podcast with my friend Matt Mahoney. Uh, and so they were working together on a movie called uh, Night Skies, yeah. which was about like evil aliens come terrorized a far- a family on a farm. And then Spielberg like read the script and he was like, "This isn't how I see aliens. Like, mm-hmm. I don't see aliens being mean." Or I wonder if he's just like, "We've seen this version a few times. Like, what's a different Maybe. take on this kind <laughs> of thing?" Or I don't know. Like, yeah. And so then he like took kind of the idea of the ending, where the ending was like the nice alien got left behind and befriended a little autistic boy. Yeah, I read that. Um, and he brought that to Melissa Math Matheson, and he's like, "That's the story. Yeah. There, I want to make that movie. And so, that little guy and this little guy, and their friendship and their goodbye, like like to climax it on the goodbye. Yeah, and exploring like divorce, uh, like yeah. all the things kind of that he's interested in, and being like, uh, I believe a lot of it was him wanting to also make a movie that was about acceptance mm-hmm. and how, you know, what we talk about with alien human relationships, which is like." humanity can't accept it itself totally but like how is it we can accept this little raisin that lands on earth totally um we're all little raisins oh. we all came from somewhere. we're born little raisins and we we leave the world as little childbirth raisins. is kind of alieny too <laughs> dude kind of kind of crazy <laughs> that we are capable of this stuff yeah so and then, then how, uh, about, how about the fact that this is the first feature film produced by kathleen kennedy is it <laughs> so crazy she is she went on to do a couple things i think like a few projects i've heard her name <laughs> mentioned around aliens <laughs> and space <laughs> um i know one of the things i love about researching this movie you're like oh my god like this is where now the old guard of hollywood yeah man. this is where they all got their uh got their uh scars from there's it's like there's like you know there's some grip out there who's like the Forrest Gump of like, yeah, and then I met this person and then and it's like all connected. And you're like, what? Like, how is that even possible? But it's, it's that industry was just bustling. Yeah. Especially in that shape. time. And they're all like, kind of like, I guess, California kids too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, he brought it to uh, Melissa. Melissa wrote it in eight weeks and they kind of worked, they collaborated. And what else did she written? She wrote, she wrote, she wrote Kundun, 1997. Oh God, I love that. She worked with Scorsese. Scorsese. She wrote BFG, which wasn't my favorite. Did you you, you I, saw I didn't, it? I didn't love it, but I, I you know, I got told okay. it has kind of uh, it has it's not it's it does the same kind of thing that ET does, but it doesn't hit on mm-hmm. on either. Like it's mm-hmm. not 
it doesn't hit on the modern stuff and it doesn't hit on the yeah. on the old school 70s filmmaking stuff not to be a hater though shout out to melissa matheson yeah. <laughs> dude melissa i'm gonna say this yeah. melissa matheson's a great screenwriter this movie's really beautiful um and so she wrote eight weeks they were like really working together spielberg was like this is the best first draft i've ever seen wow um and he was like we can shoot this and uh but they obviously did did some rewriting mm-hmm. um Columbia Pictures uh, <laughs> had the rights to uh, Night Skies, the John Sayles uh, Spielberg movie. Spielberg brought it to them. And he was like, hey, this is very influenced by that script. Do you want it? This is the new version. Yeah. Columbia is like, that's a little scary. We think that's going to creep out kids. Yeah. And uh, so they chose to make Starman instead. <laughs> which, which I do love. You know I love Starman. You, you know, love it. You know how I feel about Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so he brought it to Un- wow. Un- Un- Universal. But it just goes to show, though, like, sometimes in this industry, you don't fucking know at all. Yeah. And when you have these words on a page and someone's image in their brain and you take it to a producer, a studio, you get coverage on it and it's negative or they don't see it, you cannot take that as a negative because they don't know. They yeah. don't they all they they literally have no clue. Sure, they're gonna base it on trend forecasting or this or comparables, like what are the comps? What are the comps? But it's like some of the best stuff ever scare the shit out of people at first and they're like, I don't know if this will work. And that's amazing. But then you still have to like convince people to back that and put money in it and, and to make it. I think that's um, the but I love lesson. hearing those stories. I love hearing those stories of like, you know, I've heard stories of, of filmmakers framing horrible coverage on their stuff. And put it in their office of films that were like just crushed. That's very good. <laughs> uh, and I, lo- I, you know, it's just a night because it take you this industry like you just need a certain kind of tenacity mm-hmm. to just get a bunch of no's and a bunch of, you know, you get knocked around and you just keep plugging like it's kind of nuts. And also, no one knows. No one knows. Like nobody knows. Yeah, no one knew besides like the people who are really invested in it. They know what that movie can become. Yeah, even Jaws. They thought Jaws was going to be a huge flop. It was over budget. It was a disaster. Everyone's like, this this young kid who was directing a bunch of TV and interesting TV made Duel. Duel is a dope TV movie. Yeah. So simple. Uh, then he was like, I'm shooting okay, this movie this is on the water. En- this is the end of his career. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just like, it's so crazy. You just don't know. There's a great podcast series that uh, I think uh, we both listen to called Inside Jaws. Yeah. And I have a book about like the... Um, the producer's point of view and making it. And it's a wild one. I, I love hearing the horror stories though. Cause I've been through a few small ones myself and you're, you're like, how the hell are we going to get out? This is doomed. Like you have those dark, the dark night of the soul <laughs> in real life. So yeah, Spielberg, he like, he brought this to unit universal and Spielberg, like didn't think he was making a big box office movie. Cause Which back I love then that I fucking love that. I think it's interesting. If you compare it to now, if you say like kids movie, you think it will probably have a bigger box office than like adult drama. Yeah. Which back then that it was flipped. Yeah. And and then if, if you take, okay, here's a kids movie marketed to kids. It's a kid hero. Like how, how old's Elliot? 11? Yeah. 10, 11? Yeah. Um, but there's also some stuff adults are going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And there's some pretty heavy stuff about divorce and the parents and that. So like, Kids movie with some heavy real life stuff and adults will enjoy. Sounds kind of Pixar-y. Yeah. And, and even with early Pixar, there's a lot of people that didn't believe in it and said no to those guys and their, you know, their journey with Toy Story and that. And, and I mean, 
they've done such a great job. And and apparently their process is very collaborative too. Like all of the other directors will give notes mm-hmm. on each other's stuff. So they treat it more of like a think tank thing. And they have a uh, best suggestion wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I don't know how, uh, how dedicated they are to that, but it's a good idea to have when you're approaching filmmaking and i think it's so it's so collaborative too right and Mm -hmm. a lot of we we, you and i have talked about this of of how much praise the director gets but there's like so much a writer brings to stuff i geek out on writers i love writers i love working with writers i love writing there's so much a dp brings to it Mm -hmm. you know there's so much a production designer brings to it there's so much you know and, and every department along the road or other producers um and then other colleagues so it is it really is so collaborative i read something you know going into this where Spielberg shared it with Robert Zemeckis and he's like, yo, 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 you got to do this scene. You're clo- you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The closet thing where yeah. the mom opens the closet and we pan over all the toys and he's buried in the toys and you see his face. And I love the fact that like he like kicked that note to Steven Spielberg and he's like, yeah, that's okay. That's cool. That's cool. And then it like makes it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. I hope like, he gave him a shout out for that. I, hope I think he like, did. Thanks. I, you know, obviously if we're talking about it and it's been written. And also they are like heavily connected Zemeckis is like yeah is uh his like little little brother of filmmaking yeah yeah. um the movie comes out June 11th 1982 produced for 10 million dollars and it makes 798 million dollars worldwide in its initial release it's at the top it's trading places with top and uh second place at the box office for like four months nuts insane it's re-released a month after it's taken out of theaters and it makes another killing at number one for like a couple weeks. Um, and it went on to be maybe the most influential movie kids movie ever. You can still see echoes of it for my generation. Some of your generation might be like, what? E.T. It's kind of it's the thing, Did, uh, you know, cause we're E.T. doesn't really hit home with me. Yeah. Like watching it now. I really love it. And there's chunks of it where I'm like, that is shivering. Like, that b- puts goosebumps on my arm. Mm-hmm. That is pure cinema. That makes me, as, a, as like, a grown man, feel like a little boy. Sick. Um, Love it. But then there's other chunks where I'm like, Do, would kids like this? Like, do you think this <laughs> yeah. movie could be made today? No. No. There's a different version of it that exists today, but you could say the same in any art form. Like, you could take a song... It was popular in the 50s or the 70s mm-hmm. or the, and like put it out now and it's like art keeps evolving and i think there's so many people that were inspired by this movie and spielberg's other movies or whatever and then they brought their own cool stuff to mm-hmm. their own things but if this you know i thought about the same thing when i was watching it yesterday like it's it's amazing and i kind of geeked out more on what he was maybe referencing or mm-hmm. what he borrowed from or what are the mythologies that he was drawing from um, because, but I guess it's like to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And I'm thinking of, it, you know, how we craft stories and what we pull from and what's mm-hmm. the deeper theme and connection that people are going to hopefully connect to and, and move them. Um, but as you know, and also we know the plot points and we know what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like so ingrained in our brains, but if you didn't know it, I think it'd still be kind of an ex- fun, exciting ride. But I mean, it's, it's older now. That's like, the thing. still... It's when your movie is like uh, mockable in pop culture, mm-hmm. where people are like referencing it. Like Austin Powers becomes a little less like, funny when everyone says, "Yeah, uh, baby." Like I don't know, go with your pinky. Yeah, like you you lose a bit of juice. The Godfather, everyone knows there's a horse 
in that or you there's know a that... horse head in 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 that bed. But as a honestly rewatching this movie without really any knowledge of it, mm-hmm. I was on board. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think I think it has almost been helped now for this mm-hmm. younger generation of being like. I love Stranger Things. Oh yeah, there's so much. So this movie buggy. feels like Stranger Things, like the prequel to Stranger Things. Oh, for sure. Yeah. A lot of the JJ Abrams stuff too is, oh. is kind of of, you know, but it's interesting that you say that though cuz like Godfather 1 and 2 I could watch once twice a year yeah. and and I could just go back there and it's like good so good. But I think about <laughs> the 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 things that you could really revisit. It's almost more the character and the character moments. Mm-hmm that we want to spend time with and follow them. I just want to watch Michael's story. Right? Yeah. And and it's that arc. Things that are a little more plot-focused are so impactful the first time you see it or the first couple or whatever, but you might not keep revisiting it. Mm-hmm. And I think about this a lot, too. And I think about episodic, serialized story, television or whatever, or, or I love this kind of new hybrid form of like these 10-part miniseries, and, and they're doing a lot in the U.K., versus a feature or like ep- just episodic versus a feature and we've seen this renaissance in tv and there's such amazing tv and they always used to say you know tv is more of a writer's medium features are more of a director's medium okay and, and then you know tv is more about the character and you're following this character on this but there's one thing that i just love about a feature film is that there's a beginning middle and end and it concludes and you wrap it all up hopefully well and there's like this moral to mm-hmm. it or this this message or theme whereas a lot of tv it's like instead of a beginning middle and end it's like a beginning middle 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 how the fuck do we end it yeah and and they have to figure it out unless it's like endings unless it's super thought out and there's this macro circle i.e uh the wire you know breaking bad surprise or whatever and they do a good job of it and you're like okay great but there's so many tv shows that you fall in love with and then like third fourth season you feel like the writer's room is like okay what do we throw at these people like what do we do with this and, and they really we... portray character yeah i'm going on a bit of a rant here but going back to the et thing i think it was like amazing plot amazing idea amazing concept the characters are great mm-hmm. but it's is a little more about this setup and this relationship and et and 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 you know is it something i could watch once a year to be honest probably no mm-hmm. but um was it amazing to see as a kid and did it kind of open up my brain and my curiosity and and i love the mystery to it like again going back it it wasn't really heavy-handed mm-hmm. with the rules of the world and you kind of had to work for it a little bit yeah and for kids like kids still got it yeah now with how much tv shows are mm-hmm. where you're just like now like after the second season it just feels like they're creating a product that's like hey and they're putting like one one Reese's piece is down on the ground for you to keep <laughs> yeah. following. I like um, what you did there. <laughs> and, um, there. And I picked up that piece. <laughs> and I've definitely gone back now to watching movies. I like mostly yeah. only watch movies now because I love that condensed story. Yeah. And, um, and, and so really different. having a finite ending. Like that's yeah. the thing in this movie is E.T. hopefully never comes back. There's never a sequel. But he's here, Will. <laughs> he's always here i just pointed to his forehead um <laughs> but and and i think that's one of the really things that holds up about this movie is that it wasn't watered down by uh sequels mm, yeah only watered down by a really crappy video game that failed <laughs> and a commercial and a, a halftime commercial <laughs> 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 all right uh should we just hop into the movie let's do it we've let's been discussing it. it let's let's go deep here all right movie opens 
dark forest. Uh, what is it? Northern California, maybe Calabasas. We're in the Redwoods. Redwoods. Yeah, we're in the Redwoods. Uh, an alien ship has landed. They're hey, out can there. Can we can we can we go back even further? Oh, where? Kay. The purple credits. Yeah. Creepy. Just the ominous sounds that we start with, and we lead in to the John Williams score, and it sounds super ominous and creepy. Opening credit, E.T., it kind of looks like it's been drawn by chalk. Yeah. kind of looks childlike. Yeah, or like etched in almost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the parallels to Elliot's name, and that is nice. And then, uh, you know, the, the sounds take us to, you know, we're panning over the stars. Always a strong open. Love it. Mm-hmm. It's not as good as the start of A New Hope when we when oh. Luke walks up on that ridge. That score is like... That might be the best. Oh, dude. That might be the best match of of music and and oh, cinema ever. So good. Um, but you know, you're just in for an epic ride. And look, sign me up. Here we go. I Let's do. Go. I do want to ask you though. Yeah. Like this movie, for so much of it, like it does feel. And we were kind of talking about this. Not a lot of movies about friendly aliens before mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. The beginning of this movie feels like a horror movie. Oh, totally, dude. And, and I yeah, like was that just me? No, no. And I I put my shoes and myself in the shoes of like, okay, what if I was like an eight year old mm-hmm. in 1982 watching this? Like I would, it's like this is pretty scary. And another thing that stood out to me was like it, it was quite dark and silhouette the way it was shot, which is really bold too. And like those hide, are bold choices. They hide the alien like Jaws. Oh yeah, like just the two fingers like creeping up to grab a branch, and um. And even when that we're like looking at the door close and his homie is like going back into the ship. Yeah. And he obviously wants to board it, but like Keys and the crew are coming, so he like he has to dip. But when he throws the two fingers up, I couldn't help but think he was like, Peace, homie. <laughs> <laughs> obviously not a creative choice. It wasn't intentional. Just I don't know. I draw these, parallels in my head. Uh <laughs> these aliens. Yeah. Incredibly peaceful. Maybe that was something built a in. Bit of a message. Yeah. Like no, but I did notice there was a thing with these two fingers, and there was another shot where Mike, the big brother, is like, ET's sick downstairs, and he like puts them up uh, to look at the plant oh. coming back to life or yeah. dying, the metaphor of the plant. Anyways. But yeah, the opening, mysterious, strong. And then love it. you have this very aggressive force arrive, which is like Ooh. loud, bright lights, big cars, men in like big boots, storming in, ETs like hiding it in, in, in the bushes. Big trucks like vroom, driving into frame, like super Jurassic so Parky. So aggressive. Vroom, and just fucking, and, and we're low, so yeah. it's all like hips below. We're, we're like ETs, POV. Yeah. And just all there's a chase, <laughs> and he's scurrying. We're running. We don't even know what he looks like. And the yet. sounds are like, like it's all oh, weird yeah. animal sounds. Dude, I, I read a lot about the score and the sound design and, and the practicals and stuff. And I always love hearing about that. Like, who are these amazing creatives that just create these worlds? And I still love this to this day. Like, sound design. Yeah. It fascinates me. Should we talk a little bit about just, like, now that we're going into sound design, like, even E.T.'s design and the sound of him? Oh, I loved it. And even the voice when he does learn to talk. I read something. <laughs> it was like this woman who smoked like four packs a day or something. Yeah. Uh, or something crazy. What? Pat Welsh. There we uh, go. Thank a housewife you. who smoked two packs a two day packs, two for packs. Okay. a long time. She, Sorry, uh, Pat. I thought it was four. I, I, uh, I'm sure it was at four at one point. Uh, and uh, yeah, the sound designer just like found her, I think, in like a line at a bookstore. She's like, Stephen, did we get that one? And he was like, oh. Do you want to go again? Is that a wondrous alien? <laughs> I Okay, real talk. Oh, my God. <laughs> Side story. So this is obviously we're in the middle of COVID, and, and um, Will and I are at a safe distance right now. But yeah. the other day, I, I had to take a taxi mm-hmm. somewhere, and I had my mask on, and I get in the back, and then there's this, like, 
plastic see-through wrap between the front seats and the back seats. And I'm like in the back. And I just pointed my index finger and just poked the thing. And I was like, Elliot, Elliot. And the cab driver didn't get the reference. And he looked at me like what the fuck is this dude doing? And I was like, oh, never mind. Okay. Who's the That's... ride that I just picked up? Yeah. And I was like, no, come on. Like, no, you don't get that? Anyways. That would be so creepy of just like, who the hell does this guy think I am? But if he got it and poked his finger back, big news. we would have had an amazing connection. Yeah, I rolled the dice and I didn't win in that moment, but I tried. I'm going to say. Those are, those are those references that really embarrass my wife when we're. When I start telling stories, and she's like, too far, babe. Too it must far. be a nightmare. But then when I chat uh, with people like you, I, I love it. I remember the first few times going to like film festivals, and I was like super nervous. And it was like, I thought it'd be all these like red carpets and events and screenings. And that's like 5% of it, 10% of it. The rest of it is just like people like us at restaurants and coffee shops late night, just geeking the fuck out. And I'm like, man, these are my people. This is amazing. <laughs> like, let's do this. Also, the weird thing is when you meet someone who's in film and they don't have that. And you're like, what? <laughs> just like, uh, just like, just like some on-set crew that's just like, this is a job, and I fuck, yeah, you know, and they're not like, they don't get, yeah, which is rare. Most people like somehow it's it's one of those industries like you see all these people slugging these long days, the hours are crazy, it can be so intense, but we all share this one thing, most of us, that yeah. we just love movies. As Tarantino says, why do we do this? Because <laughs> we, we love, love movies. Um, so yeah. When we get a good look at him, he's like this weird, almost looks like an old, like an old person, mm-hmm. like a wrinkly mm-hmm. raisin or like a macadamia yep. nut. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's got Can these- Can we talk about the rabbit? Did big... you notice the rabbit this what? time around? There's, a, there's a, a rabbit that E.T. looks at and we see it just for a second and then it jumps out of frame when the trucks roll up. So when... it's not scared by E.T., but it's scared by the- science. I think so, Yeah. And I always thought that like the the like Alice in Wonderland white oh. rabbit follow you down the uh, you know we saw a white rabbit in Matrix and a few other. Things. I wonder if that was purposeful because they reference. Um, There's a deer later. Maybe it's just like let's have an animal in here. We're in yeah. the woods. I also or think maybe it's being like hey E. T. not a threat. I think that's a big thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Do you think now with how much uh, character design? And all this stuff, this thing's going to become toys. Do you think we ever would have gotten an E.T. that looks like E.T. anymore since it would have been focus groups so much? Like, I find oh, E.T. pretty man, that's creepy. a good question. That's a really good question. I think there's nothing wrong with, like, focus grouping stuff as long as there's good creative decision makers at the helm of it. Mm-hmm. And you look at, like, you know, Dave Fellini and John Favreau creating Baby Yoda in The Mandalorian. Like, they tested all kinds of stuff, went through all different kinds of character design to get it just right. Yeah. But they knew the emotion they wanted, and there's something about those those big eyes that we connect with, and and they really experimented with a character emoting with their ears and how oh. they and and Favreau did an animated short a while ago where he was really toying with that. I can't remember the name of this like elf thing, um, but I think with ET like it's interesting. He's that he's got the two short legs, the the neck, you that, know, we, like periscopes up. Looks nothing cool. like a human. Like Very there cool. could never be a human. Yeah. That's kind of what the idea yeah. was. He's innocent. He's lovable. Yeah. I, what I loved about the practical design too is like he, the way he like breathed and he was kind of wet. Like he was like a bit sweaty and like <laughs> his hand even, you'd see like a vein pulsing. Or like, at the back so... of his head, would, there's yeah, some... like these these weird bags that kind of puff out. Yeah. It's kind of like me when I get stressed or something. <laughs> It's I also doing love, stuff. He's alive. There's one thing when he's like, like I'm buying it. When I'm, he's touching, when he's making his little like call home. I love that device. And 
he touches it and there's like a wet handprint. And I'm like, oh man, E.T.'s just like he's got clammy constantly hands. moist. <laughs> Yo, if I was stranded, I would be moist too. I might my hands would be clammy. Just if I was like, so are, am I gonna be here forever? Are they coming back for me? I love that device though. Like it's like a saw blade and like a pencil and like a rope to a tree and like all but yet it works. I love uh crafted together. Oh, technology and it made me really think is the martian just kind of a ripoff of et because they're going through very similar arcs mm. of like nothing will stop them mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. get him back home you know what i'm talking about matt damon just et same yeah. same person similar noses. both clammy hands um <laughs> uh, but yeah uh so are they opening the cars pull in yeah keys we, we see keys for the we, first time. And we kind of get this, like, idea that, like, oh, you're never going to see adults in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll see the mom, but she's kind of like a kid. Like, she's going through the same problems. Oh, yeah, you never really get a good Dad, sight of an adult. Dad's in Mexico with Karen? Fuck, man. Like, he just bounced. It's so, Karen. I like, love that. That's, like, my favorite thing. Yeah, let, let's, It pisses me off, but I like it that it's, like... Anyways, we'll get to that. We'll cool. get that we'll, shit's coming we'll up. We'll get to you, Dad and Karen, down in Cabo. So, yeah. uh, ET uh, but, fleas. But keys. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about keys for a second. Um, I like the cinematic device of we know who this person is. Visually, cinematically, the keys are going to jingle. We see them. It's kind of like Captain Hook with the old like. You know, he, you okay, hear him walking yeah. or whatever. You know, you can hear the person coming. Oh, interesting. Uh, cinematically cool device. Yeah. But it's also interesting what keys represent. And they kind of represent responsibility. And I remember being in, like, my, my early 20s and, like, okay, this is, like, before key fobs and stuff. And, like, you got your keys to your apartment. And I worked at a community center part-time. I had, like, three different jobs. And you, I'd had a key because I had to open it up in the morning. And then you had other keys. It's, so, like, the more responsibilities you are, you start to have this, like, janitor set. And it kind of sucks because you're like, man, I got all this stuff I got to be responsible for. When you're a kid, you're 12, you don't have any keys. Dude, remember what was in your pockets when you were like 10? You'd be like, I got this, I don't know, a button, and I got this like head of an action figure. Two double bubbles. <laughs> like like a cartoon, like a weird. <laughs> maybe the one key I had was to my bike lock for my BMX. That's such a good thing to hit on, though. But like, I was trying sometimes to we out- didn't even lock them up. You just just slam them on the ground outside of the 7-Eleven post up get a slurpee I was trying there's to no keys so there's much, no responsibility so much of this movie is about responsibility and like eat Elliot we'll get to him in a minute but like Elliot it has no responsibility the None. one responsibility is given to get pizza even in the beginning he fucks up dude and the, and, and the the dynamic of these three siblings so Mike is closer to becoming an adult mm-hmm. the trap of being a shitty adult oh, okay. and growing up. Do not grow up. These are the themes of Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Elliot's in the middle. He's TBD. Where is he going to go? You know, like like Mike is learning to drive. He's backing the car up. He's he's going to become an adult soon. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to be a cool guy with his buds. He doesn't want to stick up for his little bro. It's a cool arc. Yeah. And then Gertie is just pure kid. Like she's magic. Yeah. She's awesome. You know, she's make believe. Mom's reading her the Peter Pan stuff. I think the White Rabbit maybe. The Peter Pan stuff is very, Definitely. very baked in there and deliberate, and we'll get to that. But, and the um, Keys connection to Peter Pan is v- – that's oh, a God. genius move on your uh, part, man. All the adults and, and uh, 
you know, I you know, I didn't invent that. I'm sure people have talked about Britain as <laughs> analyze this movie, but like just rewatch I hadn't watched it in twenty five years. Yeah. And just the themes of like growing up or not. And when we later get to know the real keys and we meet him and he's kinda talking about his shit is so like and he's literally just a grown up kid. Like he's Elliot just in thirty years. But like a shitty Elliot that like kind of like didn't live up to his potential and stay like he's almost warning. Yeah. But he's still doing what he wants to do. He's chasing aliens. He didn't get ET. Nah. And like he did it in the wrong way. They're too aggressive and too like they're just dumb adults, you know? Yeah. They didn't get in touch with, uh, you know. Or he's Elliot if Elliot grew up without ET. Yeah. He's still dissecting frogs. Totally. Dude. And and ET changed Elliot where he he wouldn't be dissecting frogs. Dude. Yeah. Love, All right. So okay. we meet uh, we meet Elliot. We kind of talked about him. He uh, he doesn't have any friends. His brother won't even let him play D and D. Big shout out to eighties D and D. Mike throws the responsibility off him. He's like, it's not my call, man. <laughs> Greg's the the master. That what's it called? The head, the DM. Yeah. He. <laughs> He's the master with all the power, and he's like, like, he holds the power. To, you know, I don't know. It's not my call. And Mike's like, "Go get pizza, and maybe I'll think about it." Dude, how many times have you been lured by that trick? <laughs> God, I gotta say, uh, these there's something I love. I love '80s kids, and as you being an '80s kid, I want to talk to you about some of these things. Yeah, I'm a bit of a hybrid. I'm an '80s '90s kid. Yeah, you're born like ni- 1983. I really thrived in the '90s as well. Yeah, I think below 10 years old, you don't really have a personality. <laughs> So most people, I count myself as like a 2000s kid okay? because I didn't really have personality in the 90s. I read a great phrase that was like there was there was a, an ancient indigenous culture that said when you're six years old, you become who you are and you're that person for the rest of your life, which is kind of crazy to think about. Life was harder back then. <laughs> okay. Life. So... So, <laughs> your childhood. You these eighties kids at six, at six back then. These eighties kids are doing stuff though, man. Like they're not they're not on Instagram scrolling through the gram trying to take a bomb selfie. Like they're making stuff, they're doing stuff, they're biking, they're going on missions. Like they're they're up to stuff. Does this like reflect the uh, kind of the the eighties that that you might remember or like kids that like oh, you remember back yeah. then? Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Like that just Elliot's room, like all these toys. The kids have toys now too. I don't know. And I don't know what it's like to that. So I don't yeah. really have a good comparable, but it's super nostalgic for me. And like, you know, I remember when season one of Stranger Things was like catnip to, to my generation. Yeah. You know, cause it's like so nostalgic. So yeah, they're, uh, I got, and I got to say something I didn't notice until Jade pointed it out. Those kids are smoking. Like, I think it was just for, I really think it Mike was just like and his crew, the older row. Yeah, well, was, they're older. He how old is he? Like sixteen. He's learning he's like to drive. Fi- fi- fifteen. Fifteen. About to get the license. But like at their D and D table, I guess mom is out f- for the dude. This the was night. my brother, man. This was <laughs> smoking inside. Big moves. That was big. Well, dude, that that's a <laughs> that's such a confident move. Smoking inside when your mom's gone for like an hour. They're running the show, man. And I feel so bad for that mom. Like, yeah, but me too. So Elliot and his kind of family are. He's alienated. It's way more of a, yeah, he is. He is. He's like cut out from his family, doesn't have any friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of comes from the fact that he's like not a very considerate person. I think that's why he doesn't have a lot of friends. Okay. Yeah. I think it is a character flaw. Mm. I I read it as like it's it hasn't really been his choice. Okay. And yeah, maybe it's mutual. But I think sometimes as... It, 
Mom is definitely dealing with her stuff. Mm-hmm. Dad is in Mexico with Karen. They're a broken family. And then his older bro is hanging out with his broy bros. Yeah. And he's not a part of that. No. He can't play dolls with Gertie. He's just, he doesn't have a bud that he can connect with. And he's, you know, he has to find that courage in himself. Um, so I don't think it's something he's done or not done. I just don't think he has awakened to that, you know. Or, or He goes to school, though. Like, he could have friends. It's just like maybe... the kids in that frog class, though? Like, they seem they're, like dicks. They're, yeah, they're not on Elliot's level. No. Except for except for his boo, but he didn't get the courage till he had the liquid courage yeah. to to work up to that beautiful cinematic kiss scene, I which felt it. kind of out of place, but amazing, and yeah. I love it. I love everything about it. And uh, yeah, man. So what was? A, oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. As a kid, though, I do. Let's just touch on your relationship to Elliot. Did Did you feel some kind of uh, that I am Elliot? <laughs> Did you feel any connection? Like you said, you're more of like an artsy kid. Did you, is that kind of one of the reasons that you gravitated towards this movie? Dude. Yeah, for sure. And like, Elliot, even when Elliot's like in his room showing E.T. his toys, which is the coolest scene. Cause he's just like, okay, this is the fish. This is, and there's a nice little nod to Jaws with the shark. Yeah. But he's like, this is Lando Calrissian. This is Boba Fett. They can do cool things and they fight sometimes. This is that. And he like takes him through his stuff. Like this is a kid in his imagination. Yeah. And he hasn't grown up yet. And the parents don't believe him at first or the older brother. Mm-hmm. And that's a cool theme, which is usually one of those, if you look at the um, the the fundamental structure of these types of movies, of it's like you stumble upon this being and they startle you. Is it friend or foe? Is it, is it you know, and then you become friends. Then you teach it what it's like to be a human or a kid. Mm-hmm. Nobody believes you it exists. Mm-hmm. Then they, you have to hide it and you have to, you know, and, and Iron Giant, there's some more King Kong-y stuff because he's huge and that. But even just like finding them in the shed, it's always the work shed. They always stash in the work shed at first. But there's some of those amazing archetypes in there. And whether people are going to believe him or not, is it imaginary? Is it in his head? Those are cool themes. And just imagination. Like at what point do we stop playing make-believe? And I was one of those kids that was very in my own head, creating my own worlds and talking. And like I remember (laughs) my mom. So I was raised by a single mom. and um, Me too. She was a filmmaker uh, as well, and she had this like anniversary screening to like one of her movies. And I remember her movies were like I don't know what you'd compare them to now. Like she made movies like as if like Greta Gerwig would make like Lady Bird. She made like a a Canadian Lady Bird in nineteen eighty four eighty five. And I remember being like twelve or thirteen and being like, Mom, like what? You know Terminator? Like why can't you make a movie like Terminator? It's so good. And she would just like laugh and. And I'm just like, it's like, you know, like make movies like that. Why don't you do that? Anyways, so she had this like anniversary screening and, and it was really cool. It was at the Ridge on Arbutus before they like tore it down and did that development. And we ran to this like family friend who I hadn't seen in ages and we're like catching up. And he's like, hey, Maddie, oh my God, like, hey, you're all grown up now. And like, we're like chatting and he's like, what are you up to? And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm producing now, I'm, you know, and he's like, wow, man, that's awesome. And he like looked like really stoked. And he's like, that's really cool to hear because, um, you know, I was always a little worried about you. And I was thinking, like, what does this dude say? And he's like, you were a really weird kid. You were. And and I was like, oh, my God. Like, is I don't know how to take that. But I was. I was super strange. And I was creating my own worlds. But then you find these niches of other creatives, and they channel that. And yeah. you, they don't stifle it. And really, you look at a film set, and it's like a bunch of adults playing make-believe with millions of dollars. <laughs> the word on you around my house was <laughs> Maddie 
has so much energy. Yeah, I was, I was nuts. And he like he has so much moving in his brain. He just needs like a place to be able to focus it. Yeah, and um, <laughs> big time. And 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 that's what I re- I remember. And I remember hearing that like that like you were getting into like uh like nightclubs and then like making nightclubs not just going to nightclubs yeah yeah but like, yeah and then yeah. and then in, into filmmaking and yeah. i was like well i was always oh, an entrepreneur and yeah. and i and i was a part of the nightlife space You've always because, had that brain because it's hard to make money in film like i remember hearing this quote from another producer who's like film where you can make a fortune but you can't make a living yeah and i was like whoa and it's kind of true so it's nice to have a side hustle or something else until things start to click yeah especially if you're trying to write or produce or direct like it can be really tough and there can be dry spells and i grew up with my mom going through those dry spells mm-hmm. and it was kind of like I, I had that ingrained in my brain that i wanted to, to do well and be secure so i was a part of the nightlife space and it took me a while like i was trying to produce for a while mm-hmm. and i remember drone the first one that we shot like 14 days in Langley for the tax credit. We got some money from Telefilm. Director's name was Jason Bork. And we shot three days in India. We were there for five. We had two days of prep. And it was so crazy, like what we did for that budget and what we tried to, we were like swinging way above our weight class. But I remember I like got back and I posted some stuff on Instagram and you were like, hey, you know, what are you, what are you working on next? Like, let's connect. Let's do that. And that's when I was like, oh shit, like Will... Oslin is in this in this world and I was like you know I don't I can't like offer a job like I'm not some big shot but you You, know what can we do like coverage or collab on stuff or whatever and um you know even that it seems like so long ago and it was only what six years ago or seven years ago but it seems like you know just from someone who who knew you before Mm -hmm. and since you were like young it seems like you know whenever I think of an entrepreneur like a good entrepreneur and producers are entrepreneurs. For sure, is it's your you've always had this brain, and uh, and That's it really funny. seems like you've just kind of found the thing that the best way to like harness your weirdness. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. And I feel like I'm still finding it to be honest, like because there's still a lot of oh, you know when you work ends. on stuff and there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, a lot of different producers. There's a lot of ego in our industry, and you have to navigate it. Mm-hmm. And essentially, you're, it is very entrepreneurial. Even directing is entrepreneurial because it's you have to collaborate with a producer and it has to function and be on time and on budget, um, and and you know, you still make it as creative as possible, but it has to function and work and find its audience. I remember this, this other quote from another producer. He's like, "It's like a, a haiku. You yeah. only have so many lines or words." He's like, "That's like the budget. Anything in that, do whatever the hell you want. One more word, it's not a haiku anymore." <laughs> So good. Basically, you're saying don't go over budget. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like this is the sandbox. Play in it. Do whatever you want, but like don't be, you know. Um, and it is a weird dynamic between, um, you know, left brain and right brain of like organization and that, which isn't my strong suit, but I'm okay at it. And I surround myself with other great partners. And then the creative side of like getting behind a vision, making a vision, and then communicating a vision to mm-hmm. other people. Like this is what this will be or could be or you know. Anyways, et. E.T. <laughs> We're in the shed. So yeah, they uh, Elliot brings E.T. into the house. One thing that stood out to me here too is like when he when he warns the crew, is that this part or it's maybe a bit later, but Mike and all the buddies are like, let's go check it out. Dude, and one grabs a knife. This is the thing. They're jacked up on Dungeons and Dragons. Smoking cigs. They're all like, you know, so they're like, let's go. And they, one grabs a knife and it just showed like the contrast of how you can interpret a new... 
other oh. entering and the adults being like war conflict chop you know versus like let's just see if it needs help or maybe it's lost or maybe it need you know yeah. so when they all ran out thankfully they don't find them pizza squash though god imagine if they did Oh, and just damn. turn it into like just shiv them, the shank. <laughs> What's that movie? Attack the block, where they kill the alien oh, the dude. first three minutes. I just thought of uh, in the blood, like Mexican gangster. It's <laughs> <a> horrible reference. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you seen that? No. They drop a dude on a fire hydrant what? on his back. Don't Sorry. bring that to ET, man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring that shit to ET. Uh, so yeah, uh, I like love gangster movies and that stuff too. But then. You're like childhood movies. I'm like, okay, let's go eat. Well, I mean, we can get back to I'll it. Be, but, I'll be uh, back. Full. Thankfully, Mike and the squad didn't find him. Yeah. When they mobbed out, <laughs> Elliot starts pursuing, trying to find ET. Mm-hmm. Uh, he Love starts the lens flares with the flashlight. Oh, you, you, dude. you start watching this. You're like, I get where J.J. Abrams came from. Like, I get it. <laughs> and uh, the world of like of creating the mystery box. Like oh, really, yeah. Yeah. his that. his movies are just like the beginning act of of like ET. Yeah. So much influence. Lost, like what's in that hatch? Mm-hmm. I needed to know. I'm like, what the fuck is in that hatch? So uh, ET, uh, he like starts bringing ET into his house using mm-hmm. Reese's Pieces, mm-hmm. where we all fell in love with Reese's Pieces. Great move. And also going back to the um, mythology of these old tales and Peter Pan and that. It's a bit of a Hansel and Gretel, the breadcrumbs. Mm. Dude, you're going. This you, is what I do, you, bro. You have some insight on this. this is... <laughs> the two form a bond, a mm-hmm. somewhat supernatural bond of uh, right off the bat, you realize that uh, Elliot feels what E.T. is feeling. Yeah. It's kind of foreshadow of one of the things that uh, Mike has pointed out, which is what Elliot's lacking, which is uh, a general empathy for others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so he starts feeling this. And I think the one thing that they have that links them in their relationship is curiosity. Yeah, great, great point. Because E.T. goes further than anyone else with his group. And that makes him get left left behind. That's a great He's point, too curious. Because they're explorers. Yeah. And they're fascinated with plants. They may be botanists or whatever. And they go to venture in there. E.T. ventures the farthest. And then that's what gets him left left behind. And the thing with Mike, I mean, with Elliot, you're like, why would Elliot ever go outside at night and, like, search for this thing? He's curious. That's really and, and E.T. brings the a few Reese's pieces back. Yeah, that's doesn't just hog them. Shares with his homie. So now they have the bond. What's the first moment that they felt what each other felt? Was it the umbrella scare? It's, it's yeah, and yeah. which I didn't understand until my second time rewatching. Yeah. And Elliot falls and kind of grabs his heart, and it's like, whoa, they're they're linked now. They are linked like good buddies. Yeah, and, I feel my best and the room. Cares. Elliot's room. I love Great the kidding. production design and the toys, and I love it's like again the the silhouette stuff, foreground, background, the Luxo lamps. Remember Luxo lamps? Oh, you know the Pixar yeah, logo. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> so like those work lamps. My dad used to have them, and and um, they just make me think of tinkering and working. They make me think of drawing really late, staying up all night drawing and making comics. They mm-hmm. make me think of building models. They make me think of like. Just doing cool stuff. Yeah. And I love that there's just all these Luxo lamps. Like, it doesn't even make sense where they are. They're just, like, beautiful composition. Very true. There's a lot of, like, uh, visual communication with, like, production design. Production design is really great. In this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they build this, uh, this, this, this kind of link. Mm-hmm. E.T. teaches him, uh, like, friendship, uh, empathy, and responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's the first time he's ever been responsible for something. Yeah. Like the one thing humanity has never been responsible for, an alien. Dude. B- 
big responsibility. How would we handle it? Maybe we have. We just don't know about it yet. Governments can't. Anyways. Um, <laughs> lo- I love the umbrella scene. And, um, you know, when Mike doesn't believe him, the older bro. I love that he shares it with his siblings. I yeah, love that. he does. Yeah. And, he, and, 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 and then when he's like, okay, when Mike backs up the car, nice foreshadowing for the driving at the yeah, very end. Yeah. Just like the first flying scene needs to happen before the final climax flying scene with the whole squad. But when he shares it with Mike, remember like when you're a kid and you're like, yo, swear on like your dog's life, cross your heart, hope to die. And you'd have to swear on all this stuff, like swear on this, swear on this. And he makes him swear. And Mike's like, I won't say anything because Mike never believed. Yeah. Like Elliot's like, it was no iguana, Mike. And then when he makes Mike and then he's like, say I have absolute power. The D&D reference? Yeah. Because it's shifting now because Mike's arc is actually really interesting where it goes from his buddies to having to believe his bro side with his bro then to get his whole squad to help his younger bro yeah. so mike's arc is pretty cool as a big bro arc um uh, shout out to the big bro arcs yeah. that's a really great thing to see in movies and yeah. i just like the whole kind of family healing yeah like et heals that's his power and, and the he moment heals the family totally and the moment mike sees him for the first time is like a nice <laughs> he's doing yoda and he's like mm, and you mother and then he gets startled <laughs> Which is, it's, I love how like self-aware the movie, like it's really grounded in reality mm-hmm. where it's making all these other references to pop culture and kids of that era. But then here's this fucking alien that landed. So it's like, you're buying it. It feels yeah. real. Melissa uh, Matheson, she would like work with the kids so closely. So much of this movie I never really realized is mm-hmm. all improv. Like so much is improv. Oh, totally. Yeah. And you got to get that with kids and like just that verite, them responding to their environment I read something that like the, the Elliot wasn't going to be Elliot, the actor who plays him, and they were doing casting, and they got him to tap into like Holy talking shit. about his dead dog, his dog that died. Did you see his audition? Yeah, dude, it's nuts, and he just starts bawling. It's like that's the scene. That's the whole movie builds to that. Yeah, goodbye, and it has to be real, and it's like that's cool when directors can tap into that. And uh, yeah, apparently Spielberg like kept a running dialogue mm. uh, between scenes and even during scenes when he could talk. Oh, just to keep the kids in that natural acting because the mm. child acting in this is phenomenal. Like, well, I, they, not they all sure. feel like real people too. Like, yeah. I, and that's one thing I loved about um, Close Encounters and like you know, like the it's, it's not the best looking stud male lead. It's like these are real, real peeps. Yeah, you know. So yeah, then we get to this uh, maybe my favorite sequence, which is uh, E.T. just like Home Alone. This like. Kind of doing the Love it. the yeah. schlub uncle look of like the bathrobe, unemployed, <laughs> sitting on the couch watching movies, drinking beer. <laughs> and I was just like, man, he looks. Man, bored. Uncle Terry, you're still here. I, th- I thought you were leaving last week. I'm, I'm here for another week or two. I don't know. We'll see. It's quarantine, man. See what happens with this new job. See see if it works out. This Can you time. give me a Coors? <laughs> <laughs> just like playing with your toys. Yeah, right. Like just just cruising. He's just having a time. Just want wants to make a call, but like uh, it's long distance. I'm I'm gonna. Well, he puts a call. it together because he's watching TV and he sees the phone. But then it's intercut with like a scene I don't think you could make now, which is Elliot in school. And he's just getting wasted. The fact when that he ET's has to go wasted. to, I love, there's a line in there where he's explaining it to him. His, and his like, brother? Yeah. And he's like, how do you explain school to higher intelligence? That's a good line. Such a good kid's line. And but then when he, uh, he goes to school, E.T. starts drinking the brews. It's just like he's in science class. And a thing I thought was horrific, I didn't know about any of this. They're like 
putting, they're dropping little cotton swabs filled with uh, chloroform yeah, in, knock in, them in, out. into frog jars. Did you have to do this? I didn't. Kid? My brother did. I think they stopped at our school. Like you don't die, or you would dissect something that's already dead. You wouldn't have to like. That's what it was in our school. You're not, you don't clip the frog yourself. Like so fucked so up. And there's rowdy. a line of like, make sure his heart's still beating. <laughs> you know, but it's this, a great this... scene when okay, first when Elliot first starts to get drunk. Yeah. And he like burps and hiccups or whatever. <laughs> when he turns and looks at the girl, that look is so good. They see it great because when he when he gets to the bus, <laughs> she's like trying to get his attention the entire time, oh, which is really sweet. It's a tiny little arc, and it's like we don't even know that much about her, but it's so great, it's so perfect. And, and then he gets that courage. And, and this is such a great hero moment. It's a great foreshadowing to like what these people are gonna do with ET. Mm-hmm. They're gonna cut him up, dissect him. The um, villain, strangely, in this movie is science. Yeah, strangely. yeah. And, and there's a nice, like, when they do kind of set up the stakes earlier to go back a bit, when the family's all having dinner together and the mom has that amazing breakdown, mm-hmm. that performance is so good when she's like, Elliot, he says a line that did not age well, it's horrible to his brother, and then the mom kind of breaks down. But they, when they're talking about E.T. or something, there's something there of, like, that they would chop him up and become a science pro or whatever and you know the stakes there you're Mm -hmm. like okay even as a kid you're like that's the bad thing that would happen to going back to the frog thing i loved when you know all the frogs on the table put put on the console it just feels like a prop or a thing and then elliot leans in and there's a nice like coverage of his face and then we're tight on the frog's face in the jar and it's breathing and it's like so cute and living and you're back on elliot and they have a moment before his big save the cat hero moment yeah Let's let's free these buggers. Apparently, it's based on Spielberg doing this when he was a kid. Wow, dude! Wow, it really shows how much empathy he's gained of being like, okay, even this thing that's just like a creature that kind of has ET's eyes. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's and then the same and then thing. what's what's the Ford movie ET's watching at home? Oh, I don't know. Okay, so ET's at home, <laughs> flipping through the channels. We got some a nice note to cartoons in there. Yeah, he goes to John Ford's The Quiet Man, and it's John Wayne. And Maureen O'Hanna in that kiss. And everything else does not make sense to the rules of this movie and this world. The sound cuts out, the wind, and we're match cutting between the two as the music swells and it just works. It's just amazing. I love it. Yeah, and he matches it and he has to like climb on top of the little He's boy. He's not tall enough to even smooch her. It's the best thing of Man. that age is like it's so funny when the girls are so much taller than the boys yeah, and like so they have a crush on each other and he like has to climb on the ass of like another kid to get to now did height. that guy just happen to fall there and he just worked with it or did that guy like give him an alley-oop like here you go bud <laughs> just get up there <laughs> no should I he just slide it <laughs> I, I think he fell he just had he ate the cotton swab <laughs> like, whatever you do don't eat the cotton swab how many kids are just take those oh, and just huff them? It was chaos. It was pure chaos in there. I loved it. And then like it's just that one shot of her feet watching him go. Yeah. And no, the frogs. But how land. about how about as they smooch, we cut to ET's face. He's feeling a smooch. He's feeling love. He's feeling a human thing here because they're feeling what each other's feeling. Oh. And ET's watching the movie. And that's what kind of channel in my opinion channels it to Elliot. And, and he inspires does that, him inspires to him to do it. And they both, E.T. and Elliot, get to smooch a chick. And it's it's amazing. And, you know, that's a cool, you know, for, e- for E.T., I mean, hey, that's a win. That's a really interesting, I never thought about how that played into it, but you're right. Mm-hmm. Oh. So then E.T., you know, he, he gets the idea of building the phone. They decide to sneak E.T. out of the house during Halloween as he's dressed as a ghost pretending to be Gertie. Dude, the POV. The POV shot of they put the... the 
sheet with the two circles cut over the camera. Yeah. So simple, but so good. Yeah, they do a lot of really interesting shots in this. They even do almost like an early GoPro shot, which is um, on the bikes when mm. when they're escaping between the hand. Well, they didn't have bars. GoPros where they just scra- strap one of those massive like, rigs think about on how there. Big oh, that camera would they were be. so heavy. So yeah, okay. two things: trick or treating okay. in the daytime. Is this a city kid thing? Uh, I think it's an LA thing. Okay. I don't know this, but I've seen on the Instagram before COVID of Halloween and people are out early. I think it's younger kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gertie and Elliot aren't late. I think Mike would obviously go out later. Gertie and cause some ruckus. Goes outside as with by herself to like a random point in the mountains. Gertie's a G. Yeah, <laughs> Gertie's she's a G. So, she's hard. She's so cool. Drew Barrymore, man. Like, they must have just looked at her reacting and her little smirk smile. And I bet you they're just like, okay, we just so we she just created for, a film star. for Poltergeist. And oh, when wow. she came in, she was talking to Spielberg about like, yeah, I'm part of like a like a rock band and I'm going on tour and just like making up she? all like, this stuff. Like four. Oh, dude. Yeah. And then like, they were like, okay, done. Poltergeist might not be the place for you, but E.T., you are like, you are a Gertie. <laughs> um, Door number two. And it seems like tailor made for her. Oh, dude, so good. And so, yeah, they brought in a lot of like her dialogue to make it feel more natural and stuff. The other thing is two costumes that you can't do in 2021. A terrorist and a hunchback. Yeah, I think there's a few others too. Uh, an indigenous outfit, but Thank a terrorist God. is a weird one, which I don't think I've seen outside of. Wait, like, who dressed as that? Mike. Mike's dressed as a terrorist with a knife through his head. How do we know what? Oh, I just thought he was like just a guy that got chopped too, in the, the head. There's some audio where she's like, "You're not getting two blocks in that outfit." And he's like, "Mom, all my friends are going as terrorists." Oh, he said that I missed that line. Oh, that doesn't age well. No. Wowzers. Uh, I wonder what. But it's nice when when ET tries to heal his I thing, love... and he's like, "Dude, it's fake, man." <laughs> and they're trying it's to, fake. and his mom's like oh. going to go get the camera. He's like, "It's fucking fake." Kids hiding things from their parents. Yeah. In, in these kind of movies are just so fun. So I'm funny. Like, also, know, are they going to get away with it? Hunchback, uh, not the Hunchback of Notre Dame, just a guy with a physical deformity. Uh, not cool. Not cool. <laughs> but not it makes sense. Cool you got to get guys. that. You, you you have to get that that stuff out of there. So he pretends it's a. Hunch. And then how about when ET passes the Yoda? Again, a nice nod to Star Wars, and they like look at each other. But like that Yoda costume is a really good costume. That's like movie quality. So good. That's movie. Like, you don't see that out out in 1982. You 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 you, you don't that, see like that. George Lucas's nephew or something. Just like true. <laughs> Who who designed? I forget who designed Yoda, but yeah, maybe they're like, let's just call in that guy. So yeah, uh, the communicator. While we're on that though, yeah. um, who designed ET? And and the the puppeteering and the the costume. I think it was a team of people. It's a twelve person team to run it. Dude. There is two little people and a twelve year old boy without legs who were like the body and moving. Wild. But uh, apparently, when they were designing the face. Spielberg had these like ideas, like he wanted ET to have wise eyes. Yeah, so he he achieved, I think. Yeah, he'd find people in history who like yeah, had they say, wise they say eyes. He was modeled after like Albert Einstein and a few other people. Uh, I read, Ernest so. Hemingway. Yeah. So they would cut out pictures, <laughs> put them together to make faces in like the creepiest way and then they get clay and mold faces based yeah. off those and i think the head of the design for the animatronics was um carlo rambaldi mm-hmm. who also did dune the original 1984 no way so fucking stoked for the new one Me right didn't even know the trailer looks so good um and this guy also did hopefully f- we can see it in a conan theater. conan and alien the first alien ah oh. 
Carlo Rambaldi. He was the dude then. Yeah. I, I could just picture Spielberg I think, like, I, you think we can get him? You think I think we can get him? Went, Is he available? He better not be on another show. Like, that's the guy we need for this. They went to Rick Baker first. Ooh. Rick Baker, incredible creature maker. Um, this was a good era for creatures. Like, like I'm thinking yeah. Labyrinth. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, like... Um, American Werewolf. <sighs> big, big stuff. And so Rick Baker was signed on originally, and then it was like, oh, I don't get to make scary aliens. Yeah, I'm out. So then they went to this guy. Okay. Anyway, so we're trick-or-treating, and we got our first our first fly. Do you think you need this? Or... Wait, what's Elliot dressed as again? He's a hunchback. He has a kind of cape to him that I didn't really notice, but it makes for that amazing silhouette. Yeah. And it feels kind of Peter Panny. Yeah. Uh, and it was like a raincoat or a cape or a costume, but it- it works. And Do you great. think you need that part to foreshadow the first now? fly? Yeah, like now. Oh yeah, you need it. You okay, need it. you need it. You couldn't just foreshadow his telekinesis with the with the balls. No, I think you need to progress the the magic and the rules of, okay. of what these powers are. And I think the first bike fly is really ET's doing. Mm-hmm. The second bike fly is Elliot. Okay, and I think they Whoa. work together. They work in tandem. But that's how I read it. And and the first one. He's like, man, it's too rocky. We're going to be late. And E.T. just does it. And it's this amazing thing. Whoa, I'm capable of this. The second one is like, life or death, I got to get E.T. Elliot's in the driver's seat on that yeah. second ride. And he takes the whole squad with him. You mean they Pacific Rim drift. <laughs> That's, I, 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 I get And how about how about Greg with the headset, the like headphones? And he's always dissing Elliot and he's always a brat. And and he doesn't even believe it. Like he's like, can he just beam up? And he's like, this is reality, Greg. Shut the fuck up. And Greg, Greg is the biggest wuss when they fly. Like he's so scared. That's the one piece of acting that I think is, is a bit over the top. Over the top. It's on the nose. Movie, is when he's Greg. like, <gasps> even Greg fucking wrecks us. Um, <laughs> Who's that dude now? <laughs> Remember ET? I, I played Greg. <laughs> so yeah, ET sets up that thing, calls home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're out all night. Elliot wakes up in the morning. E.T.'s not around. Jeez. He goes did we miss home. It? Did we miss the dad's shirt scene? Because that's fucking good. They build in, you never see the dad, but they build in these really beautiful character moments like investing when him in and the bro family. Find his shirt and they smell it. Oh my God. What, what is that? Old Spice? It's yeah, Seabreeze. Seabreeze. <sighs> like that's like, oh my God. Good like, 80s dad clones. But that's a really sweet scene. It's not needed. You've already established the dad thing, but it's just there to build it more. I root for these guys more. I empathize with them more. And I'm also seeing Mike and Elliot work together more and go through something together where they're very um, separated at the start. Mm-hmm. So again, yeah. Mike's big bro arc, he's coming around to his little bro. Um, okay. we, we both have big brothers. They can be your greatest ally and they can be your worst oh, yeah, fucking enemy. Dude. I didn't get really tight with my older bro until I was like, 19 or 20 I was yeah. older and then and then I took jujitsu and I was like there was a moment where God, that's cool. the power dynamics shifted but he used to kick my ass yeah. man and I was terrified and like him and all his friends my friends were scared to sleep over they would sleep over and we'd just get like terrorized and back then it's like oh toughen them up and like this and that like yeah. this there's a big power dynamic like when I got bigger than my old older brother mm-hmm. uh, you know there's a little more respect shown your siblings all, all had the coolest names like there's like the your and your I remember your dad back in the day having these like these studios and he was painting and sculpting and and he had these dope glasses and like he, his style was rad. Yeah, the artist's life. And he was into like 
Can I cool tell you? animation. He put me up on some animation because he's like, oh, Maddie, you like comic books? Like, you like drawing? What do you know about this? What do you know about this? And he was like putting me on some stuff. And that was cool. We did an episode a couple weeks ago. Dad movies. Movies that your I dad I saw that on the gram. I haven't listened to it yet. I look forward to listening to it. I can't wait. It's really like my dad imparted so much. Mm-hmm. My mom and my dad equally imparted mm-hmm. so much of their like tastes to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important. All right. Beautiful. Can I just say one thing to that? Yeah. And I feel the exact same way, but it's trippy because my mom was a writer-director. Yeah. And my dad was a production designer. And sometimes I'll give them stuff to read and I'll get notes, which is crazy and 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 you know uh but it's interesting when my dad's notes are more about the world and how the world feels and how it looks and the texture and the tone and my mom no, my mom's notes are all character who is this person at their core how are they different at the end what are they going through like what and it's so different they're both have these different takes on it because of how what their crafts were back in the day when they were working and making stuff and yeah yeah anyways their approaches that's so interesting yeah, yeah. um Shout out to Sandy and Phil. Yeah, dude. And uh, my amazing stepmom. I have a great relationship with my stepmom, Joanne. Joey. Uh, un- unlike, Love you, Joey. Unlike E.T., uh, Elliot's dad with Karen. Karen. Fuck. In Mexico. First villain Karen in this movie, oh, dude. Dude, did that set it <laughs> off? She's the godmother of all Karens. Look, this movie strikes hard for divorce kids, I think. like okay. I, th- I think it's just another Touches layer of being like, oh, there's other people experiencing this. Oh, yeah. And oh, like yeah. this is how I can heal for like heal from this. What is home? Where's home? Yeah, home gets busted up. Where's home? How do I get home? Didn't I honestly didn't think about that? You're right. That's that's a connected theme. Everything has to be related to the theme. Um, Et's not feeling too hot. Uh, they bring him back in, but there's a government agency. So how does he start to get sick? What is it? Him being away? I think he's from his other beans. <laughs> His hands are like, man, they just won't stop sweating. He's only drinking Coke, so he's like not well, getting hydrated. Definitely, there's diet issues. Yeah. Like he doesn't, he's not on the healthiest diet, but he definitely takes a turn for the worse when he gets inside. And that's one thing I didn't really understand kale. what it was. Maybe it was his beans are clearly very interconnected emotionally, mm-hmm. and their hearts communicate to each other, and they're they're glow up red. So being away from them this long is maybe starting to break them down. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of paired with Elliot a bit, but it wasn't one inciting incident where it's like he's now sick or he's getting sick. It just happened. I think he's just away from home for too long. Yeah, I think he's away from the the yeah. his people. And I think I think you're right. I think there's some kind of nutrients from uh, interconnectedness that with he's Elliot. getting. And he's gonna he's almost taking Elliot with him. That's a bit. Uh... Here's the thing though, he he I th- I think he knows that like <laughs> if 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 Et dies, Elliot doesn't die. I hope so. Yeah, but yeah. they're coupled. They're coupled for this part. Yeah, uh, much much like the uh, the operators of the uh, juggernauts in Pacific Rim. Mm. Um, coupled drifting. You 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 need to find the perfect drift partner. Uh, they'd yeah. probably be pretty compatible. Very very compatible. Um, the Jaegers. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the government agency comes in, and uh, they enter the house, and you just see straight up space. Wait, did did Elliot? find him already sick by like the when he's all like ashy and white by the river or is that after this uh sends out his brother mike to go get him yeah because he's not there yeah no mike and then and that raccoon almost had him did you see that raccoon it's so weird that there's a raccoon or was that raccoon trying to help because it's like it's nature and it was or it's just like it's eating him it's sniffing around (gasps) it it would have been mike showed up (laughs) it would have been really bad and this is a bad way to go being half dead getting gnarled by a raccoon 
It's a kid's movie. Man, what if E.T. just like snapped his neck with his telekinesis? <laughs> he just picks him up like Vader. Yeah. <laughs> just choking the raccoon. Thank God. Your powers, Thank God the movie didn't get here. Your powers are no match for me, small raccoon. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so government agency busts in. Yeah, uh, E.T. looking bad. Ashy dead so close needs some cream some moisturizer yeah. <laughs> government agency busts in that's a wicked scene dude when the, the, the like astronaut opens the mom opens the door and the astronaut steps in did like, that not kind of break the world for you seeing like straight up spacemen i loved it because it was like who's the alien now motherfuckers like it's this is crazy like this is and and then when they're like just cinematically all the squad walking up the street to like the oh, red yeah. sunset magic hour. It was like felt like a western. Yeah, just a cool shot. Just and just a, like troops invading the posse. Yeah, and then everyone rolling in all the equipment. The house becomes locked down. Um, it becomes like this incredibly clinical, uh, like alien dude. place now, where it's like your home, the place that protects you. And now it's been taken over by the government, and it's all like science. There's some nice inserts of all the science equipment. And it's a nice parallel to Elliot's room before of all these toys and playfulness and youth. And now it's like science, adults, this. And uh, another thing, yeah, we didn't talk about the plant, the, the nice metaphor of the mm-hmm. plant that he saved. And now the plant is dying, which is like visually we're seeing him dying with the plant. Yeah. Um, so squad rolls in. And we meet we meet Keys. We got our first view of Keys. We're 80 minutes into this film. And we see his face for the first time. That's why I think he's not the actual antagonist. He's I, not. I, he's, I, he's a, he's a he's fake just, antagonist. We think he's the antagonist until 80 minutes in, and we get a sense of his humanity and who he is. Because every hero, in my opinion, good heroes, you want to think they're the hero of their own world, and they're, they're dealing it. with their own fucked up childhood. Um, but I love how bold that is to not show the dude's face till 80 minutes in. Like That's crazy. And then he comes in, and he's like a completely... Played by Peter Coyote, uh, he he was yep. up for Indiana Jones, yeah, and then he tripped over a lamp when in the audition, and oh, they were like, man. "You're too funny, uh, we're gonna bring you back for this one." <laughs> he's like, he's like, I, I'm kind of take like a Buster Keaton approach to this. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, they're like, uh, I don't know if this is working, <laughs> but they do such like a great way of making him non-threatening. He just looked like one of those dudes, like just his face and that demeanor. The keys was like. He just went through life and it didn't go his way, man. Like he just, or like, yeah, he had the pursuit, mm-hmm. but like he didn't get what. Now he's getting what he wants, and he has that really great line where he's like, "Elliot's like, oh. ET came to me," and he's like, "He came to me too." Yeah, and you get that like, oh, Keys is just like grown up Elliot. If this never happened to him, yeah. Um, but like the cautionary tale, like yeah. I don't, I don't, I think he's the. He got trapped into adulthood, and, I, I and respond. So. He's got all those keys. He's got all that responsibility. All those. Do keys. you think he's? What are they even open? What are What are all those doors? Vans, equipment, hatches. It what is a lot keys of keys. For? It is a lot of keys. I, I love the I love the the scene where Keys is talking to Mike, the brother. Yeah. And he's like trying to understand it, and he goes. He thinks his thoughts, which is like the aggressive thing of being like, yeah. "Oh, this is a parasitic. Like th- this yeah. is a bad alien, dude." And, and he, then he's like, and, "No." Yeah, he goes. He thinks his thoughts, and Mike goes, "No." Elliot feels his feelings, and I'm like, "That's the movie, right?" And there. there's no harm there. Like that's so a completely good. non-aggressive. Uh, that's a very like peaceful thing that he it's came hard to me to... as a big moment. And and the shot of Keys is wearing the helmet, and you see the reflection. Yeah. Of Elliot is is such a dope shot. 
Do you um, think the agency would actually like? Do you think these guys? They seem so set on healing and fixing ET to try to like learn from him. Do you think they actually would have been done bad things to ET? Yes, yeah, for sure. Okay, for sure. Like they they mean good, mm-hmm. but they're dumb adults and they're thinking, not feeling. And they would have mucked it up, even yeah. the way they were testing with all this stuff. They, you know, like that's how I interpret it is, is there was two routes this could go. And this is not the good one. This is the frog mm-hmm. in the jar. And um, it is interesting how they flip it, though, where Keys isn't this evil bad guy. Like he's, you know, what, you know, he, what he's not Michael Shannon in Shape of Water. He's been he's he, like, he's been wishing for this since he was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. Yeah. When Keys says. I'm glad he came to you first. What does he mean by that? Here's the thing, okay? I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he wants E.T. to live as much as possible, and he knows that Elliot is the only circumstance that E.T. would have lived. So he's like, so he's like, I'm I'm glad he came to you. Like he's so you happy. have this connection, and you got to feel what I wish I felt when I was he, a kid. He can't is what he's control. Saying. Yeah, he can't control the government. Okay, the government. He's not leading this. Yeah, he's just like a government worker, and he's like, I want aliens to be as free as possible, but the government that I work for, who's funding all this, wouldn't have let what happened no. with Elliot no happen to ET. Keys is just a cog in the machine. So he's actually happy that an, an that it eviler went like way this. to read that. And my mind went there. Is I'm glad he came to you first. Not the Russians. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big one too. I didn't even see that. But I was thinking selfishly if he was like, and I'm not saying this is it, but it's it's where my mind went is I'm glad he came to you first, because then you coupled and then you guys are gonna die together and I'm gonna test the fuck out of it and get all the research. So you died and not me. If it was like evil keys, that's maybe what that line meant. But I, I was curious to know your interpretation of that line. Something else I loved in the scene are the overs when they're both lying down. Mm-hmm. It's the most emotional. Those scene. two overs of each other with the with the plastic COVID taxi cab. Um, yeah, the scene materials. you tried to re- recreate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and as ET's like fading from existence, slips away, slips away, and dies for a bit. Such a fucking. How about when they do um, ER on ET and they start pumping his little lung? Like, how do they even know what they're doing? Does he got lungs in there? Does he? How do... they're doing? They they're blowing air in his mouth and they're pushing, and it kind of looks like they're pushing on some really well painted like foam. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're trying to revive him, which I think the intentions are good. I think they're just pumping on like a piece of kale because like he's a. <laughs> if you look at his insides, it just looks like it's a plant. Uh, like there's some veggies and. If you fed in beer it. to a plant, what the f- what do you think happens? I mean, if you it's feed not... beer to a pumpkin, it grows really big. Well, there you go. I know that. It's um, it's like German powerlifters or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Strongman competitions. <laughs> um, so Keys takes his helmet off. Yeah. Uh, in a great, great two shot. With E.T. and dead E.T. in the foreground. Gorgeous. Elliot's in the background and, and Keys is right there. And it and Elliot is backlit by the window and we see the parallels there. So dope. Yeah. It's um it's probably like honestly for child acting, besides if there wasn't a greater scene than this five minutes away, this would be held up as like one of the best child acting scenes. That's another top five we gotta do. Yeah. That's like um E.T. assumed dead. Okay, uh, assumed gets, dead. Gets, gets put in a container. They Zipped let... up, frozen gyoza mode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Elliot gets a, get, gets a minute to say goodbye. And um, as he's having this, like, incredibly heartfelt scene of saying goodbye to him, you Elliot, like, 
achieves almost his full arc, not his full arc. He's like halfway through mm-hmm. now, but he's feeling as much emotion for another being as possible. And E.T. comes back. Is it that love that Elliot felt that pumped him back into life? I, I think, think so. so. Too. Yeah, I yeah. think so, too. And um, you see the plant come back, and then... That's great. Just the red light, and the, he's walking away. He almost light. doesn't even catch it. Again, very visual, going yeah. back to Spielberg's references of, of just showing that. And then you get that, or he has to, like, fake Creates still a bit of a sad. ruse. <laughs> Creates a bit of a ruse, young Elliot. Gets his brother in on it. So great. He gets his brother in on it. They go in, steal the the van. The tube scene is so good when we're tracking behind them and yeah. they're walking through the tube into the van. And again, foreshadowed to earlier, Mike's driving and he's like, I've only reversed. <laughs> and I love how the one guy like knocks on the window and he's like, who are you? He's like, I'm the I'm, driver. It's like always one of those moments when like, you know, yeah. sometimes when you're on set too, I was like, who are you? Who am I? Who are you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> different you, departments. Like yeah. we're all just, it's just a big chaos out there. And so then they, uh, they rip away with ET in the chest pulling like two scientists with them. So cool. It's a great scene. So cool. They get to the park. Okay. The before friends. they rip out, I love that Mike's whole crew is up, posted up in the front of the commotion of the onlookers, the looky loos. Yeah. And they're on their, their BMXs. And they don't know what's going on yet, but they know something's going on. And they're just waiting and watching like a good crew should. Yeah, they're like, we're, and, we're up for anything. Yeah. Is that what he says? No, he's like, we here. Yeah, no. yeah, totally. And Because <laughs> one of them was probably like, yo, something going on at Mike's house. And they're like, let's go. Let's, yeah. let's, let's ride. So they came. Backup's ready. And they're ready. And then does Mike tell them they're somewhere else? He's like, meet us. At, at the park. Meet us at the playground on top of the hill. So the cops are chasing them. And this is the thing where Spielberg's like one regret about this movie is that there's guns in the cops' hands. Mm, now he's done an edit where he's replaced them with, uh, with walkie-talkies. And that's when they're biking awards. And yeah. then the, the, the car is like... Or the road is uh, roadblocked by cops, mm-hmm. pull out shotguns, um, and that inspires them to fly up Love out it. of death. Because there's the barrier. Like, like They're going down the road. Yeah. Cops pull up. That's the, like, fuck, it's done. But Spielberg- They got us. Really upset by that in, in his later years. Maybe after he had kids, he realized how messed up that is. They'd be chasing them with guns. Yeah. And so he, he did walkie-talkies. Mike, Mike just takes one in the back. It's like the end of like Boys in the Hood. Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Slow mo. Spielberg's like, ah, let's cut it. It's not working. It's not. It's not. Like, I think we could probably get rid of that. <laughs> ET's like they like I'm they like not... buck off a few shots. There's like bing bing sparks on their BMXs. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, they fly up the whole crew. Yeah. Um. We Peter we, Pan and the Lost Boys. They land and just as as they arrive, uh, ET spaceship, beautiful big spaceship is just landing, and uh. It's time for the goodbyes. Elliot to say goodbye. And E.T.'s even like... The mom gets there. She gets there in time. Yeah. And she, Peter she Coyote gets there in time. Yeah. Keys. And, and okay, a couple things I found interesting about this, because this is the big moment. I feel like the whole film builds to this crescendo. Mm-hmm. Um, all of their goodbyes are slightly different based on their age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gertie smooches E.T., gives him a kiss. Maybe a little more connected to this... Um, this feeling, this yeah. youthfulness or whatever E.T. represents. Innocent, no walls. Yeah. Mike's a little more distant, just touches his head a little bit. And E.T.'s almost a little bit, he almost flinches a bit. It's kind of like, oh, where? But he's kind of like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Or E.T. says thank you and Mike says you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you, you're welcome. A little more adult. Mm-hmm. And then here's Elliot. Here's our guy. Obviously, they have the biggest bond. There's, you know. And it, 
I didn't really feel their friendship until this moment where I was like, wow, you can, it's amazing how they show that with an inanimate object that's mm-hmm. a puppet mm-hmm. and just like how they have his face moving. You understand their relationship. Yeah. And you really feel it in this scene. It's an incredible scene. And I'll be right here. Yeah. You know? And and the, the, I think that he, she says, ouch. Because that was yeah. a big thing, like hurting, pain. Also, there's like maybe 20 words said in this entire movie. Oh, yeah. Not a lot of time. Uh, very visual. Not in this, uh, in this scene. There's in this like scene. Yeah. Very less visual. than 10 words. And it hits like a, like a, it hits yeah. so hard. And I'll be right here. He is a part of Elliot. Elliot is a part of him. These are just amazing themes. Mm-hmm. They'll never be the same. Uh, and then there's the hug. Yeah. That iconic hug. And E.T.'s fingies give him a little bit of a shoulder rub. Did you catch that? There's a little bit of a- He's like, stressed, dude. Like a trap massage. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like a, a deep tissue with those long fingies. <laughs> He's stressed. That's how you get- Oh, that's the spot right there. A little <laughs> left, a little left. Oh, yeah, right there. Just one And he goodbye. gives him a little shoulder rub. Um, And then and his friend, the friend's up there. Yeah. I guess it's not about that. We want to stay on Elliot and mm-hmm. E.T. But you'd think the friend would be like, yo, man, I'm so sorry. We thought we had you. We did. It's like when you're a kid on like a field trip, like head count. Oh, my or, you God. Know? Or it's like, Will Oslin, present. Yeah. And you have to say present. Like They're like, fuck, we left one behind. you think they would be like, oh, we're so sorry. Or we're get on. Get on. We got to get out of here. But anyways, the, the friend's just standing there because he's like, this is an intimate moment. So I'm going to let this happen. Didn't notice that. Yeah. E.T. walks back up. The way the ship door closes, the circle kind of felt like the end of a of a cartoon. It did. Really. Did and you do that do that for you? Or yeah, it did no, for me? It, like uh Looney Tunes, but it yeah. also ends on his heart light. Yeah. Which and is, I was like, oh, beautiful. that's interesting. Like they would have had to to do that math of like where does this thing close? How and high I do think we they have would to just get cheat, Elliot, the cheat the floor. Maybe cheat the floor of that height. <laughs> They're not rebuilding that door. Um not on that budget. <laughs> yeah, the uh spaceship takes off and we get a rainbow oh yeah rocket trail. A bit, a bit much, a bit Hollywood. But at the time when you're young and it's 1982, I mean, it's awesome. I it, love it. it I think the need... score, oh man, so apparently and the score just swells. And and John Williams was having like a hard time scoring this. Oh wow! So Spielberg was like, "Dude, write the score, and I'll re-edit it to the score." Dope. And that's why I think it's such a strong, it's Dope. such a beautiful uh, connection. That's there. a good director move right there. I heard a story about Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm working with Hans Zimmer, scoring Interstellar, and he didn't tell him anything about the movie. And he said, uh, it's a movie about a father who has to... And Hans Zimmer has a son. And he said the same age as Hans Zimmer's son, I can't remember, but he's Mm -hmm. like, it's about a father that has to say goodbye to his son and he will never see him again for the rest of his life. And he didn't say it's a big sci-fi epic. He didn't say anything else. And he said, imagine your son, write it. And Hans Zimmer writes like a couple notes of just like so heartfelt plays it for Chris Chris Nolan and he's like that's it. Okay, it's actually a father daughter and it's a big ass sci-fi movie. Thank you. And then they built on those notes. Wow. And and that score was like super cathartic and mm-hmm. and emotionally feeling and it kind of summed that up. And it's amazing what music and film can do at the same time. It's like they really go hand in hand. Yeah, and I think this sort of like highlights it's a beautiful score and I think this oh, yeah. is like Really, like it's the story they shot it linearly, so that's adding into it. Yeah, I it. read that, that they and it's, it's all, easier with kids too. Yeah, but it's all just like paying off in this moment. You're right, like that's this is what the really just builds so that that whole moment, and then yeah. and then we're up in the sky, psh, rainbow, 
And then the closing shot, we're back on Elliot's face. And I always think of, like, sometimes I geek out on the opening line of a movie or the opening shot, opening shot, and closing shot together. And the opening shot, we're on the star field. We're on the stars. And the closing shot, we're Elliot's face looking up at the stars. Mm. And I think just those two bookending it is just really nice and beautiful. And he, with, uh, with Spielberg, that's huge because he likes to establish the entire story really early in mm-hmm. one image. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's a really like big thing with Spielberg. Who's up there? Are we alone? Mm-hmm. Who are we? Um, these are big questions. And, and it's kind of like what I love about, even though this is like an older film now and it was marketed towards young kids, yeah. it's still the same things I love about like an adult sci-fi or like an arrival or like, you know, it's just these same things that just like, yeah. fascinate me how much uh what do you think happens after after this movie it cuts hard um there's an ending that we can talk about but i mean more just like what's elliot's life like well i think optimistically um he stays in touch with his youthful nature and his feelings mm-hmm. and whatever that becomes he's a writer he's an artist he's a whatever he does he finds passion in it and he has great relationships with the people around him instead of just being a dick and and a bad person or whatever. Does the world find out about aliens? Fuck, that's a great question. I, I don't think so, man. I don't think they come back. I think it was just this tiny little incident. I think the government's locking that down. Yeah, they're locking it down because they kind of blew it, you know? Yeah, I think did, they did. Did Keys get fired? Yeah. Keys got fired. Hey, did he let an alien go? Does Keys try to date the mom? Yeah. Hmm. They, yeah. they drive home from the from the okay. launch I, I bet there's some like emotional only okay. two adults in the world that really dealt with this right and i think uh i think it tr- they try mm-hmm. uh maybe maybe some things don't work out maybe she's still she's still you know caught up on 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 her husband karen and dad karen dad dude hit by a hurricane in mexico <laughs> this is the funny thing it's e. like a squad just zaps them on the way back kind of a, <laughs> just blast them. kind of a fuck you to the dad because it's like you missed out on this incredible adventure, <laughs> dude. Always, no one wants to miss out on a good adventure. I, th- I think uh, Elliot... Mike. Mike, I think has a way better relationship with Elliot, yeah. and all his friends now are like, he has supreme power. Want to hear about the actual ending? Yeah, e- I do. Ends. Uh, we cut to the living room. Elliot's leading the D and D session. Supreme power. Wait, what are you telling me? This is like this was written and then never yes. shot, or it was no, shot they, they, and they, they cut shot it, out. They just cut it. Okay, okay. Uh, I don't know this. He's leading. The D and D game now. He's DM, telling a <laughs> he has supreme power. Telling a story where he's like, uh, without, w- w- without experience, we cannot live in life, and that's kind of like the the lesson that he's learned. A little on the nose to just say it. Well, it's you know, it's it's like yeah. I guess like a speech at the end of the D and D session. Epilogue. Camera pans up, mm-hmm. out the skylight, and we see the uh, course the the radio uh phone home contraption on the roof calling for et again kind of giving a hint that they might kind of cool kind of cool the D moment that i love how it ends on yeah. him watching the ship oh, go better ending i think if it i, li- I like the the phone thing in the wind in the yeah. trees that's a nice device you know are they going to connect again yeah. maybe maybe not it's like the spinning top inception. Let's just leave it up to you and never make a sequel and just keep it as a great classic. I think this is the, the strongest ending. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. What's up with Gertie? Like, what does Gertie become later? All right. I think she becomes a writer. Yeah. I think she tries to be a uh, like a novelist. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work out. But 
1982. Mm-hmm. Think about big TV shows in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Comes a writer on X Files. Dude. Uh, now that we kind of finished this, how do you think this movie holds up? Like, do you think you could show this to a kid now and it will connect with them as much? 100%. I think so. Yeah. I uh, think, uh, you know, it might not bump as hard because it's old. Yeah. And, and, uh, but I think, I think if they buy into that relationship and, and Elliot and ET, they'll still get that same emotional connection. Okay. I was trying to think about that because I don't know if kids even have this much freedom anymore. They, they s- might just be like, what is this world? You know, yeah. like, I don't get this. If you if you can see Maddie right now, Maddie's looking through maybe 15 pages <laughs> no. of notes. Um, this is how hard I geek but, out. But, uh, yeah, I was trying to figure out if this movie has an effect on kids because it was very scary for me in, like, that 90s. Um, but my girlfriend really loves it. Uh, a lot of people that I know still really love it. I'm just curious if like it can hold up to kids now. Also, oh, that's a good question. I I would be curious to know the answer. What to that. would a CGI ET just look stop. like? Just it would stop wreck it, right, right there. Don't even. I. If ET doesn't have those, if we weren't social distancing. I would slap you, Will. No. <laughs> but if ET doesn't have those restrictions, like. I, I can imagine kids now might think E.T. looks like, I don't know, a little... Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, he just felt really real and tactile. And, and I think some interesting storytellers are going back to that. You look yeah. at um, Baby Yoda in The Mandalorian. Very true. Fuck, he's real to me. Yeah. He is amazing. He's cute. He's He is what we need him to be. And I'm buying it. And I wouldn't buy it if it was... I might not if it was CG. I don't know. Me too. And I think that's one of the endearing things about it is it looks... Uh, it looks real and a lot yeah. of CG creatures even though they look real you don't get that like emotional feeling of that's yeah. a living thing um, but I am curious how kids feel about this movie now I would be so curious let's yeah. beta test it and just show some young people we know I asked my wife I was you've like, got a niece dude yeah right yeah. Pearl is too young Pearl Pearly would be like show it to Pearl when terrified she, when she's ready when, when she's ready then tell me kid movies are awesome now though like yeah. I would like Miriam and I watched Mulan the like, live action one yeah, and I'm it? like I can't wait to show my niece this this is so rad that's cool it's cool the original one holds up oh yeah yeah, yeah. Um, alright man uh, we are uh, near the end of our okay. show I uh, we have uh, so many other questions to to go on but Dude, we don't we could have go time. on forever <laughs> um i would love to have you back thank you so much for being here i would love to be back thank you for having me um what recent movie would be your favorite if it came out when you were a kid i love some of the anime so okay if i was younger mm-hmm. younger right now yeah um moana was amazing oh, i love moana dude. i love how they made the ocean a character i thought it was so original that's my um, favorite disney movie inside out i thought was brilliant and just dealt with like emotion. It was such a, a a new, fresh take on things. I think every generation you kind of get a movie like this. Yeah, and uh, and I think Inside Out is the 2010s uh, version. Yeah, and of, Soul of this. I found was similar to Inside Out, where it explored these other worlds that we don't normally go, like yeah. into our head, and if all of our emotions were a character, so cool. Um, for Soul, like what they called the Great Before, and the, mm-hmm. you know, like um, if I was a bit older. Like if I was Elliot's age, I think I would be obsessed with the Mandalorian. Mm, um, Mandalorian's huge. It's just so nice. I love how they each one almost feels like its own contained little short film. Yeah, they all feel like this samurai like a, gunslinger. Um, it has the wonder of like original Star Wars. Yeah, but still feels fresh and unique. And mm-hmm. what I loved is like they took these characters that were like C characters and throwaways and gave them their own arcs and their own worlds and just really had fun with it. It feels fresh and new, but still true to the originals. Um, 
yeah, I think it's just really well made. It has a nice simplicity to it. And again, going back to that like visual storytelling of old school American cinema and westerns of of um, those visual things that just speak to us at a at a deep level. Yeah. So yeah, if I was really young, some of those animated ones um, that Pixar is putting out, um, and if I was a bit older, The Mandalorian. Great recommendations. I got uh, the Muppets. Period, which is a uh, it's like The Office meets Thirty Rock. Okay, and it's on Disney Plus. It's a TV show. I'm so gonna get into it. I haven't watched it. It's very weird. Uh, completely I adult. Love it. I love it. Um, great, man. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Do you have? You are an incredible filmmaker and producer. You got a whole uh, great filmography. You got Drone uh, Ride. You got What They Had. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to tell the audience about? Yeah, we have a couple films coming out that, that I was a part of co-producing, uh, a film called Crisis by Nicholas Jarecki, who mm-hmm. made a film called Arbitrage. We shot that in Montreal. Um, it's a beautiful s- s- script. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, you, I think first read it when it was Dreamland. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's, he's a really talented writer. And then we have a film called Worth, uh, which was based on a book called What is Life Worth? Uh, directed by Sarah Colangio. She made a film called The Kindergarten Teacher with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh. Writer Max Bornstein, that's based on a book by Kenneth Fairberg. Kenneth Fairberg was the um, lawyer, a part of the 9-11 Victims Fund. Uh, and, it, and it takes a really interesting perspective on, on post 9-11. Uh, and that film's called Worth. And then I have um, a bunch of other stuff I'm, I'm helping with that should come out soon. An uh, animated film called Groove with Jamie Foxx and Dave Batista about these street dancing mice that dance battle for cheese. Really fun, really fun movie. And it's like almost like step up meets like um, this animated. It's, it's fun. Um, and then I have this little sci-fi baby of mine that I've been writing and tinkering with that is still a bit early, but um, maybe when I come back on, I'll have a little bit more to share on that one. Fuck yeah, man. Hell yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Matthew B. Schmidt, follow him, look him up. He's fantastic. Uh, Maddie, thank you so much for being here, man. You are a Thanks, pleasure. Bro. This was so much fun, man. Thank you. I've been wanting to have you on, and this has lived up to all the all all the hype. I listen to so many of these things, and and yours and other ones. So it's fun to come on and and do one. And it it literally this time felt like it just flew by. I felt like I've been here for ten minutes, and it's like <laughs> been recording for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, please follow us on social media at What Will We Watch. We do some cool uh, videos and promotional stuff for the podcast. We're having a lot of fun there. Uh, you can also uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, if you give us a good review, five stars, I'll read your review on the next podcast. You can say whatever you want, even mean things. Just give us five <laughs> stars. Uh, and it helps grow our audience. Thank you so much for joining us. And please uh, join us next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.